in the fire service, if you get a brand new fire engine, if one element of that fire engine isn't working, it can still drive, it can still park, it can still break, it can still pump water, but if one of the safety measures isn't there, we take it out of service. Yet, we have people that knees are bad, backs are bad, this is bad, that's bad, can't, you know, you, they physically cannot run a mile and a half. They can barely walk a mile and a half, but they put the badge on, they think that like instantly that makes them able to do whatever. And to me, that's wrong. I mean, the, I love what the unions do for the, the firefighters and all the, the protective things and, and, and um, things that they do need to have. But I hate the fact that you have people that should not be on the floor working covered behind this protection just because, well, we don't want to have discrimination. It's like, like that's a different job. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're a paid, you're a paid athlete. You're a paid superhero. Like when someone calls 911, they're not calling for, well, I hope you can do good for being sick or like your, you, your knees are kind of bad, but I hope you'll do all right. No, people are calm because it's the worst day of their life and they need Superman and Wonder Woman to get off that engine, period. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale. My friends Amy Radowski, Charlie Yodi, Kat Shear love fitness as a sport as much as I do. We are all 40 plus Masters Age athletes who give all we have to lead a healthy, active life. We also want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news surrounding the sport of fitness. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a five star rating and writing a review. We are also available with full video on YouTube at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast, as well as all traditional podcast platforms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore fitness and friends. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast. What's up, guys? Hey, Bill. Hey. Hey, I got a question real fast, Scott. Um, before we get going, nice to meet you guys. First of all, do you want me to do like my podcast so I have better mic and better all that kind of stuff? I could totally do that if that works best. That'd be awesome. Okay. All right. Let me get that on. Hold on. Stand by. Hi to the person behind you. Hi. <laughs> oh, that's my daughter. That's Jolie. Hello. <laughs> Set up here. Uh, how's that? Is that better? That Ooh, sounds great. Smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that a, a, a nice, sexy, sultry voice? <laughs> <laughs> Does this voice work for radio? All right. Like it. All right. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that's going in the podcast just so you know it's all right hey man you know what the fact of the matter is that i'm a goofball and that's just how it works so it's okay nice to yeah. meet you guys yeah nice to meet you nice so you. i ha- i'm scott um i have with me cat hey hey Kat. and uh, amy hey there Hi, amy and so amy and i are in columbus ohio and cat is in delaware okay whoa okay yep how did you guys all get together to do your thing so Amy and I have known each other for a long time. Our my wife and her used to play bunko together, and I'm the one that introduced her to CrossFit. Drunko. <laughs> I was expecting you to say like a sport like they used to play water polo or they played like softball or soccer together. Do they play bunko together? They were on the bunko team. Yeah. And then and then Kat and I uh, we worked the Mayhem Classic together. Oh, nice! And yeah. just became fast friends. She was actually one of our guests initially. Oh, and wow. uh, is now a full-time co-host. I weaseled my way in. That, you know what? I, I did the same thing on my podcast with, yep. uh, with Chase Ingram. It was the same kind of deal. You know, he, wanted, he had his thing that he wanted to do with the, get with the programming, and I was his first guest, then his second guest. Nice. And then he's like, hey, why don't you just hang out? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I love it. <laughs> Let's do that. It's like George Costanza. You just keep hanging out. Just you know, keep on People think you work out. here. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, man. So just to introduce you to our listeners and, and yeah. viewers, this is Bill Grundler. Uh, he is the voice of CrossFit, basically. Um, 
I'm so excited to have you on today because you are actually one of the people that got me into being a CrossFit nerd oh, uh, wow, and just really? a junkie of the sport. Uh, and so I met you at the 2014 uh, Central East Regional. Okay. I was volunteering and I knew very little about the sport at that time. And I've told this story on the podcast before, but <laughs> I actually was going to lunch and you were in line to get the food with me. Yeah. And we ended up sitting down and eating lunch together. I didn't know who you were. I just saw I'm, this man that looked like I'm Wolverine. Just some, some old guy. I don't know. Just some old cat. I don't it's know. It's when you had the full Wolverine uh, mutton chops. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I go back to my table and I said, I ate lunch with this really nice guy who had, looked like Wolverine. And they're like, oh my gosh, you ate lunch with Bill Bundler. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, those were, those were kind of cool chops. I kind of like those. I kind of like those. But that was, um, that was when I was just getting out of my fire career. So like I, I really, I could have the chops because they were easy to grow in, but I couldn't have it for when I was working. And so, you know, all those years of being in the fire service, I couldn't have other than like a mustache or something like that, which I look really silly with a mustache, really <laughs> silly. Um, I, I would, I decided to grow the beard cause I'm like, I, I've never been able to do this. And so now it's kind of fun to be able to have the, the full, it's more of the Logan beard now rather than the Wolverine beard, if you, you will, it. you know, but Makes I'm a little sense. older, so I'm kind of taking that Logan stance. So that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, he still saves the world, so. A hundred percent, you know. That's, yeah, he's good. He's still good. So we'll probably bounce around a little bit. Speaking of face, facial hair, yeah. uh, Kat uncovered some old video footage. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about my chin hair. I was like, can we not do that? We've <laughs> all been in quarantine. <laughs> we don't need to talk about well, all of our facial hair. I got my quarantine hairdo going on right now. Like, I, <laughs> Looking good. Like, barber shops need to open up like now because, man, my hair. This is one thing. Like, I am older and I, I'm very thankful and, and, and grateful for this but my hair is not falling out it is not going thin it is thick and so if i don't have a haircut like every we're talking like four to six weeks ish it gets a little out of control and ends up i end up getting like a lion's mane just yeah. the whole thing so it's not gray at all either though bill it's not no, like, I, I have, nice I have a couple you can't really i have there's a couple there's a yeah, couple over there. It's this little good. one, this little one back here. I mean, she, she gives, gives you a couple hair. every once in a while, <laughs> every once in a while, but she's too dang cute, man. I mean, it's like, it goes gray and then goes right back to dark again. <laughs> Just softens, softens right back up. <laughs> softens right back up. <laughs> so back to that video footage. Was yeah. that the 2011 yeah. regional recap? I believe it started with a whack-a-mole game. With Rory Whack-A-Mole and you guys from underneath the desk, it was magical, really. Okay, back in the old days of the CrossFit <laughs> HQ media stuff, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. But we had fun. We had fun. And awesome. Rory with a mustache was something to behold. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, uh, that, was, um, that was when the, uh, the, the mustache, the Movember thing was mm. like, you know, I mean, that was, it really had a big push. And, and you know, so we would do those at different times. And uh, again, we try to keep those in the vault as much as possible. At least I do anyway. I don't know. So how did you even find yourself into, in the CrossFit world? Um, so I was lucky enough. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and and it, like the first time I saw it, heard about it, whatever was actually back in 2002. So I had a friend that I went to school with, um, he was a rugby player. I was a wrestler. Uh, he, he knew that like, I like to do kind of crazy workout things, that kind of deal. And as we got out of school, um, he moved up to Santa Cruz with his then wife, uh, or soon to be wife. And he was just looking for like a, a gym to do something in. He was looking at some grappling stuff. He was looking um, at some other things. And he, he, ap he happened to end up at Glassman's gym. And so he's like, hey, you know, I'm at this gym. They do these crazy workouts. They have a website online. You should check it out. It's all free workouts and stuff. You should check it out. So I checked it out and I, I didn't really get it, but I liked what the workouts were. But the funny thing is, and I, I love telling the story, like everyone's intro into CrossFit is always like, I did Fran and I puked or I did Murph and I puked and I did um, Helen and I threw up and I, and they, all of these things, the filthy 50, the 300, whatever. I don't, have any stories like that like i don't really remember any of the named workout necessarily i remember how many sets of five unbroken hand um 
uh, push-ups can you do in 15 minutes? How many sets of three unbroken pull-ups can you do in 15 minutes? How long can you hold a static, uh, uh, a static handstand hold for X amount of time? Um, it was those kind of workouts. Um, also the things like what's, they had like an, an award deal where if you could do your body weight bench for 20 times or more, you would get a t-shirt or something like they had these like little benchmarky type of things that you could do. And so that's where I first saw it. Um, I didn't get it. Um, it wasn't until probably about 2006 that I came back around and I mean, I was still working in fire, I was still working out my normal way, doing the back and buys and chest and tries and the classic gym rat style. Um, and I didn't really know what I was working out for anymore. I just, I wasn't really sure what was happening. Um, I was sore, you know, joints were getting sore, elbows were sore, shoulders, knees, all that. And happened to come across the What Is Fitness um, uh, article that Glassman wrote. And that was it. And that kind of started it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is what it is. I want to be good at everything. I, I, for fire, I need to be able to put a hole in a wall, but I need to be able to hike hills with a pack on. I need to be able to, I want to be able to swim. I want to be able to do triathlons. And that's where it started. And then from then on, it was just kind of a, it was all in after that. And so that was 2006-ish where it really kind of started and got my level one, um, 2007, level two in 2007. We opened up the affiliate 2008. So yeah, it just kind of was off and running. Yeah. So I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, okay. You came up as a wrestler. You mentioned yeah. that in your story there. We've had other former wrestlers on the show as well, like Chris Spieler. Yeah. Um, and he talks a lot about how wrestling gave him a mindset. Totally. That really translates to CrossFit. And I just was curious to hear what your thoughts on that were. Yeah. I, I think, you know, with, with wrestling, there's a, an element of grit that you learn. Um, you, are going to be in a situation that is very uncomfortable. You're going to have someone's forehead burying into your temple or someone's forearm, you know, crushing into your, into your clavicle or just sticking their elbow into you, trying to get you to move And And you have to deal with these pains um, and these discomforts and be able to stay focused enough to be able to continue. Um, that's one element. The other element is that it's very, it's not a long endurance race. So it's like the, the, the matches are very CrossFit like, I mean, depending whether you're a high school kid or a collegiate or, or you, you get in some of the international stuff, you're, you're looking at anywhere from six minutes to nine minutes, probably maxing out at like 10 to 11, 12-ish minutes, depending on the overtime stuff. But for the most part, you're around that 10-minute, nine-minute time frame. And it's kind of interval because you're wrestling and you go out of bounds. You come back in, so there's like a break. You come back in, you go at it again. So there's a lot of that same sort of mentality um, and, and same landscape that CrossFit offers. Uh, when I got my level two, Chris was actually one of the, um, instructors in my level two class. And that was where I hit it off with Chris. Cause we were able to talk about that. And one of the things I asked him the same thing, like for me, it was very, uh, similar to, I wanted to be part of a crew again. I wanted to be part of a team again. And the, the workouts were very classic, uh, like wrestling class, wrestling uh, practices to me. But the other one was what, you know, Chris was saying, he's like, well, it's either, I either can go into fighting or I can find something else and I can do this over here. So that's what that's, uh, that's kind of how that went, but he was totally right. It's a very similar mindset. You get after it, you push really hard. Um, and you really start to enjoy that, that attack, you know, which is really fun. Yeah. And you also came up as a swimmer and did, um, lifeguarding competitions yeah. yeah and and so did you grow up in california um i grew up actually well i was born in california i grew up in arizona so from like five years old to like high school was in phoenix and then i came out to school in cal in california to uh, cal poly in san luis obispo and that's where i got into all the wrestling stuff and started getting into the lifeguarding and then was able to get become to become a beach guard that way loved it yeah and so you actually were a state champion in both wrestling and then you made the state finals and swimming. Um, yeah. So I made it into the finals, which was good. Um, I, I, swimming. I was, I was decent at swimming, but I, that was not my mainstay. That was more because it was a good workout and girls had bathing suits on and it was fun to <laughs> hang out with a bunch of girls that had bathing suits on. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, Oh, okay. Got it kiddo orders i got some orders here okay um uh so 
it was fun to do, but wrestling was my main, was my main sport. And, um, I mean, we, I started doing both at about five years old. So I was swimming in Arizona. Everyone's got a pool. So we were swimming there. And then, um, I was also doing the wrestling thing. I started that with my dad. Uh, he was a wrestling coach and everything. And he asked me, you know, if, if I wanted to start when I was five and I was first born kids, I'm like, yeah, dad, whatever you want. Absolutely. Let's do this. And, um, then we were all in. So, I mean, we were definitely a wrestling family and that was something that we did every weekend. We went to tournaments when we were kids and I mean, there was a lot of that kind of training. So we just kind of grew up with that, that attitude and that that's just the normal, you know, I still don't have, like when I look at like, even, even the workout stuff, like it's hard for me to exercise. Like I'm training, like that's the mindset. And it's really hard for me. That was when, probably the hardest thing to, to switch from when you're competing all the time and really driving for the big goals to I just want to make sure that I'm staying fit like there is a there is a a downshift to that for sure um, but that was a hard one to do just because like when you train all the time that's that's all you know that becomes well, a default I found it really fascinating that you did the combo of wrestling and swimming that's not something you see every day I came up as a swimmer <laughs> I actually swam all the way into college uh, and played football in high school and they thought that was weird that is uh, weird are you kidding me come on now football and swimming yeah. It's like, I mean, football and cannonballs, maybe like you know, if it works out that way, it's usually, I mean, unless you're like a, you know, receiver or something, but still like, even that's, a, that's a big difference too, for sure. Yeah. I was much smaller back then. I was not the Clydesdale I am today. <laughs> um, I, you know, I honestly think that it was a, a, a cool, a cool mixture. Um, mostly because, and I didn't really think about it at the time. I mean, honestly, but um, it, what I liked was you push 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 you're lifting you're you're driving you have that 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 abuse on your body where you're actually beating against someone whether it's you know playing football or wrestling same deal and then you get in the water and it's very elongating so you're really kind of there's still a lot of strength that's obviously involved in that and everything but there's a lot of elongation and a lot of stretching and a lot of uh mobility that you get out of that i mean that's one of the things that has helped me as i got older in in competition was the fact that i had the mobility to move and, you know, if you look at the masters, that's, if you can do an overhead squat as a masters, you already have jumped yourself way up ahead of the, a lot of the other people that are trying to compete because you have the range of motion. You have that ability to get in that down that squat position and the shoulders and everything. So it actually was a, a very um, nice union between the two different sports for sure um, to blend them together. Of course, again, I just did it because there were girls in bathing suits and it was fun, <laughs> but it's nice that there was a nice little byproduct of a, a of a cross training in that for sure. Yeah. And so for an occupation coming out of college, you went into the fire department? Uh, sort of. So my career path, I mean, now that I look at it, it, it's very linear. But at the time, it looked like I was jumping like literally all over the place. So I, out of school, um, I originally, my, my degree was in uh, biology, anatomy, physiology. And I was looking at um, trying to go into the PT stuff. Um, when my wrestling career was over, um, I got into coaching here at the local high school at San Luis High. Uh, both my parents are teachers, so that I, I just had that natural kind of ability. It came very easy, and I really enjoyed coaching. So I went back and got my teaching credential and then became a high school teacher. So I was a high school teacher for a handful of years. Um, and then I was doing the, and I was doing that in Arizona because I, I mean, I had a lot of connections with my parents in, in the districts and stuff like that with them being teachers. So then I went from there and I was lifeguarding in the summer times in California. So I'd go back and forth teaching during the school year in Arizona and lifeguarding in California during the, the summer times. Um, a couple of my friends that I was guarding with, and I loved guarding. I mean, we would train, we would push hard, we'd make these cool rescues. It was very team oriented. So I like, I was getting that team feel all over again. And, and more uh, girls in bathing suits. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we need to open this? Okay. Um, so you want, you want all of them open? Um, okay. Wow. These are really hard to open up. Yeah. You would think I'd cross it. Get these things open here. Oh, okay. I mean, look how small these things are. How am I supposed to get these oh big fingers on this thing? You know what I'm saying? All right. Um, Hey, can you grab, uh, grab some paper or something so we don't spill this all over the place. Um, so then I had a bunch of friends that were, um, learning to become firefighters that were in the, in the, the lifeguarding gig and the fire department actually ran the lifeguards that I was, we were underneath the fire department. So I, I would see the engines, I'd see the guys, I'd see what they were doing. 
and the um, the captain that we had, he was one of the captains at the at the station. And so it was just it was all kind of right there. And I remember asking him, and I think I was 27 at the time. I'm like, hey, so what's the deal with this whole fire thing? And he's like, honestly, you're too old. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys. You, perfect. There you go. Okay, you're welcome. Um, so he's like, you know, it takes, you know, five years for people to get jobs. And by that time you're going to be 32 and then you have to be physical and this and that. And I'm like, I, I can beat every single one of you guys in every single test that you guys do here right now. Like what? I'm not worried about the physical part. And that was, I mean, I don't think he wasn't trying to be a jerk. He was trying to really say like, and that was in the day, like where out you'd go down to, you know, LA County and test with 18,000 other people for one job. So it was like very hard to get into. So he was, I mean, he was trying to set the stage. It's like, look, it's not going to be easy. Um, but that was a, a catalyst where it's like, okay, well, I'm all in now. And it was kind of, I'm going to, not that I'm going to prove you wrong, but I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, so I was able to kind of get myself into the fire service that way, got on as a, and was doing the lifeguarding stuff, um, got into a lot of the water rescue stuff that we did because we were right at the beach. Um, got a job as a firefighter, uh, went to the fire academy, came out top of the class on that because again, a little older, you know, knowing that like, Hey man, I don't have time to do this cause I quit the teaching. So now it's like, I'm kind of jobless. I need to make this stuff happen. So it was, you know, full speed ahead. Um, and then was able to go from getting the job with fire, um, doing well in the, uh, in the fire academy, uh, getting a job as a, as an engineer, um, and then moving my way up to officer in charge and then captain and then uh, being able to finish out as a captain. And you know, through all that, there, again, there was all the teaching stuff still. So I'm teaching all the, all the surf rescue classes, the rope rescue classes, the trench rescue classes, um, the truck operation classes, the, um, all of those types of things. I was the physical training coordinator for the county for all the firefighters. Um, I did all the training and ran the lifeguards at that point and was doing all their physical training. So all of a sudden it was, I was doing all the fire stuff, but it was teacher, 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 teacher. So as I look back and then here I am now as a coach, you know, gym owner and stuff like that. When, when I look backwards, I see the straight line, but at the time it was like teaching, boom. And I jump over this way to fire and boom, I jump over this way to, you know, gym owner, boom. And I jump over this way to commentator. It's like all these different things just kind of seem like a shotgun effect. Um, but so we cleaned that up a little bit and I like looking backwards and seeing it's a straight line. It's like, okay, you weren't crazy while you were doing all that. Yeah. And so how, how long did you spend with the fire service? Um, it was 17 years total. Yeah. And you opened up your affiliate during that time, correct? Yeah. yeah. And, and so one of the was, reasons was what you saw as a fireman. Yeah. I mean, it, I just realized that it was, I mean, the original days of, of wanting to open it up is I just wanted to work out with a bunch of badasses, you know, but the, the fact is, is that there, there weren't, at least in that realm, there really weren't that many at the time. I mean, you know, you look back at some of the open stuff and I mean, I like to think that I did really well and stuff, but for my age and everything, but the numbers weren't there. I mean, I was a really good athlete, but again, like there were, there were moments where I was like, you know, top 20 in the world on, on whatever. And it's like, who is this 40 year old person that's top 40 in anything in the world? You know I mean? Like the, the numbers of, of badasses just weren't there yet. Um, so what I found out was, uh, it wasn't just for my fire guys, which is kind of where it started. Um, originally the, the CrossFit Inferno was just an online training website for firefighters. That was the original thing. And then I started seeing that like, you know, it's not just the, the, you know, the high end elite type people need to have this. It needs to be everybody. I mean, I remember going to one of the local gyms doing my CrossFit stuff and I'm seeing a trainer working with a lady that's very overweight and he's having her do dumbbell curls and make, telling her to make sure that she curls the dumbbell at the top so she can get the peak of the bicep, you know, up at the top contraction. And I'm like, okay, that lady does not need to worry about the peak on her bicep. She needs to worry, can she get down to the toilet and get back up again? Mm -hmm. Like that's what she needs. And that's where like the light really went off that like, this is an everybody thing. It doesn't matter what your issue, what your age, what your ailment, what your injury, it's about your functionality. And then that's really when I fell in love with what it is. I mean, I, I love the comp competition side for sure. I mean, I, obviously that, that goes right to my 12 year old kid heart. You know what I mean? But the other stuff is that it really is designed for everyone because 
all of the other workouts that are out there are basically set up for bodybuilding. Like that was the whole, that was the genesis of all those workouts, all the, you know, the pyramids and the, all the machines that are out there. And it was, let's make muscle beach everywhere kind of a thing, which is cool. Um, but I like the idea of having everybody and anybody be able to be functional and you work from where they are and kind of increase them from that. So that's what I, that's when I really fell in love with it. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've always found interesting, so I'm a teacher um, myself, I teach preschool, but um, I'm also a CrossFit coach. And so anytime during the year that we get the firefighters visit, I always yeah. ask because part of it's being a little cheeky, but I always ask what's your fitness, you know, routine. And it's not, it's and so not. when we had Ron Ortiz on here, you know, we Thank talked God. with him yeah. about the same thing. And it's just like, okay, you have to be physically fit to be a firefighter, but then that's it. Once you're in, you're in. Right. Right. Uh, and, well, that's totally true. And so, yeah. you know, you'll have a lot of young guys that will get in, you know, when they're, when they are in shape or they're training to get the job and then they don't get the job. And that was one of the things that like, I, it, it crushed me. The fact that here are guys and girls i mean this is on 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 both ends in the fire service if you get a brand new fire engine if one element of that fire engine isn't working it can still drive it can still park it can still break it can still pump water but if one of the safety measures isn't there we take it out of service yet we have people that knees are bad backs are bad this is bad that's bad can't you know you they physically cannot run a mile and a half they can barely walk a mile and a half, but they put the badge on. They think that like instantly that makes them able to do whatever. And to me, that's wrong. I mean, the, I love what the unions do for the, the firefighters and all the, the protective things and, and, and um, things that they do need to have. But I hate the fact that you have people that should not be on the floor working covered behind this protection just because well, we don't want to have discrimination. It's like, like, that's a different job. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're a paid, you're a paid athlete. You're a paid superhero. Like when someone calls 911, they're not calling for, well, I hope you can do good for being sick or like your, you, your knees are kind of bad, but I hope you'll do all right. No, people are calm because it's the worst day of their life and they need Superman and Wonder Woman to get off that engine, period. Mm-hmm. And you know, the incident doesn't care. I love care. that analogy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, that's really, People call 911, like that's their, that's, as a firefighter, that's your job. You go on calls all day long. And so it's your normal everyday thing. But when someone's calling 911, it's because that's like something bad is happening. And they want the absolute best there to help them out. That's what you want. Um, and the incident doesn't care if you didn't sleep last night, if you're sick, if you're older, if your knees are bad, if you pulled your back, if you aren't prepared to do this, that, or the other thing. The, the fire is going to burn. The incident's going to happen, and you have no choice but to make things happen. So how can you not be training to be in shape? And that's what I don't get. Like I, There was one guy around here um, who's from one of the local fire departments, and you know he was working with us at, 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 at my gym. And disappeared for a while and I hit him up and I'm like, Hey, where, where you been? He's like, Oh, you know, I just been busy, but you know, I'm still working out. I mean, I'm swimming and I'm like, okay. Um, why? He's like, well, you know, it's just a great, it's a great exercise. You know, it's really low impact and you know, it's great for my joints. And I'm like, okay, dude, you're 27 years old. And when did firefighting become a low impact sport? Like that's the last thing, like that's what people should do in the general spectrum, like the, the normal everyday person that is not paid to be a physical element. You are paid to do something. And I go, when in your, when in your calls do you even do any swimming? You, get, and you're, you don't even have any water in your jurisdiction. Why would you even do any of that? Like that's a waste of time. So that's where I just think that like people, that idea of, well, at least I'm doing something that works for some but not in the occupation of a firefighter. And that was the main gist of the, the, you know, the original Crossing Inferno with the, the firefighter thing was I just, I couldn't stand it anymore. I could not stand it anymore. So I felt like I had to do something. Yeah. So I love when affiliates get creative with their naming. You know, yeah. it's, it's great that when people put the zip code or whatever behind CrossFit, <laughs> uh, but Inferno just, it, it tells a story. Yeah. And I, and I think I heard you tell the story that it's not just because you were a firefighter. Yeah, no, it's, I, I try not to make it a complete fire dork thing. I mean, that's not really what it is, but it started that way because like I said, it was a firefighting type of thing. Like I want firefighters to get back into it, but the, 
something that I noticed, and it was um, it was actually my oldest daughter that that showed this to me was every time there's a big shift in my world. Um, I, I like I'm always been kind of a my my family all of me and both of my brothers we have all been our athletic but we're artistic as well so like we do a lot of painting or drawing or coloring or music or whatever and so I'll be in classes and I'll be starting to just sketch and I always end up just kind of sketching this flame thing it's just like it feels very smooth to do and whatever and I noticed you know when I got a divorce I started painting a bunch of flames at just different times they just kind of started showing up um, when I was at my station and they moved me to a new station it was being renovated and it was like this there was a lot of political stuff that was going on in my fire station. And I saw that again, I started kind of doing this, this, um, this flame type of thing. And it, it, what I found, what I realized was that flame was it like, okay, when things were getting bad, I'm kind of subconsciously reminding myself that like, Hey, you can't let the flame go out. That flame's got to stay there. That's the passion. So it's not, it's not a firefighter flame. It's a, like that's the like your internal passion that has to keep burning all the time. Um, it doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter how bad things are happening. It doesn't matter how tired you're getting. It doesn't matter how messed up things are. You have to keep it going because the second that goes out, like that's it. So that was the reminder that I got. And, you know, I, I always think it's funny when someone will put like a, a silly logo or, you know, a tattoo of a silly logo or whatever um, on them. But that was something that when I went to get, like I have a, a you could, it's kind of weird. You could tell how old people are by what tattoos they have, what was kind of cool at the time, you know? So in my <laughs> era, like I have the band around my arm because that was actually kind of cool back at the time. But like I mean, the tribal but, band, is that what you mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I got, <laughs> okay. you know, I, and what are they? They're flames, you know, mm -hmm. like they're flames. So the sun was the first one. It was the first time I really kind of started seeing that flame. The band was when, um, uh, my my oldest daughter was was born um, and then I wanted to get another one I didn't really know what to do I was just kind of playing with some stuff and my oldest daughter was like why don't you get your flame like that's that flame is you and so that's the one that I have that's on my side now so it's that big logo I like to think of it as like I didn't put my gym logo on me it's like that was me to begin with so it's kind of the other way around so I don't feel so silly about it when, <laughs> when, when I'm standing next to my my gym logo at the gym but yeah, so the inferno thing, it's about that passion. It's keeping that burning and keeping that going because I think that's important. I think it's important. So then you start competing in CrossFit um, mm -hmm. and you, you said it yourself, you're, you're known as the old guy that, yeah. that kept popping up on the leaderboard. Um, and during those early years, it was almost like you took, um, you took pride in being the old guy that was whooping up on these, these younger people. Who doesn't like to do that? Especially as a <laughs> competitor. It. It's like, how old are you? Okay, the best line I ever got was I was in the shoot. Um, I think it was uh, Chad Melton. He, he, he went to the games one year. Uh, I think he got banned <laughs> the, the year after that or something like that. But, I mean, he was, he was a good kid at the time. And it, this was kind of his, like, breakout year where he was doing really well. And we're in the shoot in the back going into the final uh, – one of the final – we were the final heat of one of the events and he's just looking down. And he's like, man, it's so crazy. He's like, man, all, all I see are these, all I see are these like badasses that I'm in line with. And he was like, you know, kind of starry eyed and everything. And I, I looked at him, I was running next to him and I go, I just look back and forth and I see everyone that could be like my kid. And he goes, <laughs> he's like, Hey, how old are you? And I think at the time I was like 42 or 41 or 43, something like that. And he's like, Hey, you are the same age as my dad. <laughs> so, I mean, like that was like, I thought that was pretty funny, you know, and, and it was fun. I liked the nice thing about it. Honestly, I mean, it being fully honest is I was in a very, uh, protected position because there was no pressure on me. I mean, I'm an old guy. I'm not supposed to win. So if I do cool, but if I don't, well, of course you didn't win, man. Like you're twice the age of these guys. Like, so I was in a, I was in a, in a win-win situation. So it made competing very fun. It made it very easy because there wasn't any pressure to do anything. I mean, the pressure was only what I put on myself. So like, there was a lot of like, I wish I would have learned some of those things, even when I was a, a younger competitor, when I was even like in college and stuff, you know, being able to understand 
that it's not about the win. It's about the journey. It's about how you do or being able to do your best versus I want to win because I don't train for things to do my best. I train for things so that I can be the state champ or I can be the national champ or I can do whatever. And that's a very hard concept to get when you're a, a young, a young kid. Like all you see is the prize. And if you don't get the prize, then you lost. Um, but you know, it took an older bill to be able to do that. But yeah, I, I took a lot of pride in being up there with those guys. I loved being in that position. I loved being on the floor with those guys and pushing and, I honestly would get pissed when they started bringing these like master's divisions out and I was above the ages of some of those. Like I remember when Dave told me, he's like, Hey Bill, we're going to do a 45 to 49 age group. And I'm like, that's stupid. He's like, why? Because I'm in that division and I'm okay. I like, if there's me and like there's uh, Cheryl Brost was in that, in that same age group, you know, still kicking ass. Um, it's like, if there are people that are there, whether we're outliers or not, like why, why make it so that all these other people have something like I'm not about the participation award, man. Like I want the big show, you know, that, and that's what it was. So like I was, that's why it took me so long to get into that. Like I didn't, from my point of view and what I was trying to do, I wanted the show. I didn't want the sideshow. And at the time that, I mean, really that's what it was at the time. It, it was great. It was important. Um, I think that it's an amazing addition, especially now. Uh, but at the time, I didn't want to go there. You know, for me it's to like you, re- it's like you read my notes. My next <laughs> question was going to be about that because back then you were adamant about not yeah. doing the masters. Yeah. You wanted to make the games in the open division. Yeah. And I, well, cause I was, man, so close every time. Like I would miss it by three places every year. My best year, I missed it by two and that's really hard to take. And so, I, I mean, even if you, if you look at the athletes even now that go from the open division, and I'm talking games level athletes, there hasn't, um, I take that back. Amanda Allen was one. Uh, Cheryl Bross, I think, was as well. But everyone else that went from the open division into the master's division and I'm not talking the 35, like, I don't count the 35 to 39. That's like the baby master's division. Like, come on. Those, those are basically the, those are like the games athlete that just couldn't make it in like the open division. So they like had, it's like, well, this is like the second tier down. So you have, you know, that's when you had like the Kyle Casper Bowers and the Neil Maddox and the, you know, Chris Spielers and the, all the, it's like, okay, you guys are the same people here. It's the same group, but the other, but the other people, uh, the majority of those games athletes have not won in the master's division. And it's because there is that ramp down the second you go, okay, well, I'm not competing here anymore. The master's division is here. Not, I don't mean that it's bad, but it is definitely a, a down jog of gearing between what Matt Fraser and Noah Olson and, you know, uh, Katrin is doing and, and Annie's doing like, there aren't many masters that train, to that level so you know when you've been at the big show i mean it, it, it's a natural it, it's just kind of a it's a kick down and i didn't want that i knew that if i would have gone there like it's really hard to get out of that it's really hard to ramp back up because age is against you at that point so if you can stay on top of the wave or in front of the wave you can kind of hang out there but the second that wave goes by ooh, i mean it's tough i mean even even for athletes they make it to the games one year they don't the next year coming back and making it to the games after that is a very hard place to be. So I just didn't want to get behind that wave. When you've got Sam Briggs right now, who's riding that wave. Totally. And and she does. And I mean, and Mm -hmm. I mean, she didn't win in the master's division. That's right. You know, and it's and like, like, and she is a beast, a beast. And, but if you watch, I, I will say this, what's great about Sam is Sam is not doing it to Sam wants to win. Obviously she wants to win. She's doing it because this is what she just loves to do. You see it on her face, whether, I mean, she just loves the test of three, two, one, go. All right, let's see what you can do. And she goes for it. It's not, I want to win or I'm doing this only to win. And that's, it's really fun to watch her now. I, I, in fact, I like watching her compete more now than I did when she was, when she was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, she still inspiring. intimidates the field in, in certain events. Oh man. 
like the 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 lack of pain that she feels like i don't know where she puts it or she's just one of those people that like doesn't experience pain at all like i i don't know it's insane it's insane um she's impressive so talking about impressive uh, looking at your numbers over the last um, six years, I think from 2014 to 2020, you have finished first place in the Open in your age group consecutively from 14 to 20. <laughs> that is pretty freaking impressive. I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> I'm pretty happy about that. Um, uh, I, I do like that. It does make me feel good. Um, I, you know, again, I'm I'm always... I, I always, this is really funny. I always check where I am on the big leaderboard first, even before I pick my age group leaderboard. And, you know, when I went out, um, I, I, I got knocked basically out of the open division because I, I blew my knee out um, at the regionals that one year. Uh, it was 2014. Um, tried to rehab back, couldn't make it back to 15. Uh, I did it in masters, but not in the open. And that was basically like where my shut went into the open division. But I, I remember going, okay, as long as I'm in the top 100. Okay. That's cool. Okay. As long as I'm in the top thousand. Okay. All right. Then we can, so, okay. As long as we can hang out in the top, like 2000. All right. We're good with that. You know, so like you see these numbers that are just kind of dropping. So I check that one first and then I'll go to my age group uh, and see kind of where I am there. But I, like, I, I, I will say this, I, I've made it a point of not, not looking at the leaderboard because I know um, as a competitor, it's very easy to get wrapped up into that, you know, and, and I know that I'm not training. I'm not training the way I would train if my goal is I want to win the games or go to the games or whatever. I mean, right now I have a lot of things going on in my world with, you know, my gym and my kids and my, my different programs that I'm doing and, and, you know, podcasting and all of these other things where it makes it really hard to, put emphasis on training for the games, but I really do like, I mean, this is what I've done my whole life. So I like when it's three, two, one, go. And you just go to that place. Cause I, I mean, I've been there. I've spent a lot of time in that place. So it's, it's a very familiar place to me. Um, and I, I do like that. And I, I, and I have, I have fun. And the other thing is this, like I'm, uh, I think it was since 15. I think it was since 2015, staunch one and done. I won't redo workouts at the open. Um, mostly because like what it was, if I'm not, if I'm not gaming, if I'm not trying to game and that's what, if you redo workouts and this is my, this is my totally my opinion. I feel that if you are redoing workouts, you're gaming the workouts. And if you're gaming the workouts, then it's not competition anymore. You know, you're, you're taking the best of your, you know, these, these other, these other things where competition is everyone's on the floor, three, two, one, go. You may have a good day that day. You may have a bad day that day, but you don't get to redo it in competition. So when people say that, like, but it's, you know, it's, it's more fair if I get to redo it because then you get the best element. And it's like, no, the pressure, like competition is, is, is also not just about performance, but it's about pressure. And there's a lot of pressure when you only have a one shot deal to do it because it's like all right you got to make you got to make it happen can you make it happen so i i think that that's uh that's important and so i've i've been that way and that makes it more fun for me too i'm just hit the hit the timer make that timer go and i just i go to that place and come out on the other end and then i can cheer on everybody else <laughs> so for years you were adamant about not doing the master's division and then in 2000 was it 2014 it switched uh, 2014, I hurt my knee. 2015 is when I actually went to the games in the Masters, yeah. And was that because of your brother? Yeah, yeah. Really? Um, I wasn't, I didn't have plans on going to the Masters division. I mean, again, it was, I was wanting to come back um, after rehabbing and try to get back to the open division. Um, I was coaching and training for my brother, uh, programming for him. And he was like, hey, so do you think I have a shot at making it into the top like 200 in California? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And then it was like, Hey, do you think I have a shot to make it in the, you know, in the top 200 out of, out of everyone? I'm like, yeah, dude, we can, we can totally do that. Cause I mean, we were all athletes. He was a state champ in high school and you know, he swam and everything too. So, I mean, he, the athlete was there. Granted he had take 
he had taken a rock and roll hiatus, you know, where he was wearing the, the women's skinny jeans and the can't get too big on stage because you can't be a rock and roller and have muscles unless you're like Danzig or something like that. So, um, you know, he took a lot of time off with that, but the athlete was still in there. So he was very easy to rebuild and get back. And so as he made it into that top, um, top 200 and he started going, he's like, Hey, and he was 20th, I think at the time. So he's like, Hey, he's like, look, man, I know you're not into this like master's thing. Like I get it. You've said it a bazillion times, you know? Um, but it would be really cool if like we were there together and we, we kind of did this and I'm like, all right, how do I say no to that? You know, I mean, me and my brother, we've competed our entire life and there were years and years and years when we would be kids, you know, going to our different wrestling tournaments and stuff as kids. And why not be able to do that when we're in our forties? I mean, how cool is that? So yeah, that was it. That was the reason why. So it came back out and, um, we had a blast. It was so fun being there with them and just so fun competing with them. And uh, it was a good time. It was a good time. And so 2015, you podium at the yeah. games. Yeah. Uh, so you, you get a medal to show that you are a CrossFit badass. <laughs> See, I didn't win it either. God dang it. <laughs> Crap. I'm so pissed. Man. But then in 2017, you're forced to make a choice. Yeah. Uh, you, because they now run the masters and the open division at the same time. And you had joined the media team to commentate the open division and you chose to commentate. Yeah. So what got you into media to begin with and why was that your choice over competing? Um, that's actually a really cool question. I mean, the, the, the history of like, at least the, the way I got into the broadcast thing was very, very early days CrossFit style. Like my interview was the very first live broadcast that they did was the SoCal regional um, that, that HQ did. And uh, Marty Say and Justin Judkins were the commentators. Tony Budding was still there back at the time. Rory was actually working the board, so he wasn't even really doing anything. Miranda was the interview person. And so I was doing really well in that, in that, uh, that competition. Um, they had me on the, sh on their, you know, interviewing a couple different times and I'm going out for the last event. I think I was in, um, ninth place. They were only, they were taking four that year, um, from, from California. Uh, it was the California regional is what it was not so but it's California regional. And, as I'm going out to the field for the last event, Tony Budding comes up and he's like, he's like, Hey Bill, he's like, look, you know, good luck. Um, you got a really great shot of making it to the podium. And if you do, it'd be great. Cause we would love to, you know, I think you'd be a great story and you know, it'd be super fun and everything. But if you don't make it, what do you think about being a, a commentator at the games? And I'm, so I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, Oh, really? I well, why? And he's like, because I mean, you just seem, you have fun on camera. You, you don't seem nervous about, you know, talking and you just seem like you have a really good energy and, and you know, the stuff you've been around a while. It's like, it, it'd be really cool to have you. And I go, see, so I either get to make it to the games or I get to make it to the games. So I'm like, yes, please sign me up. So, um, I do my thing. I end up seventh. So once again, missing it by three dang points or three places always. Um, and I had no idea. We had no idea what the hell we were doing. I had no idea what a color commentator was or what that meant. Um, there was a lot of learning that went on, but I had so much fun talking CrossFit. I mean, I'm a teacher and I'm a coach. And as a color commentator, that is the part that you do. Like the play-by-play -play says, says what's happening. Who's in the lead? Um, who's starting, who's finishing. They say what's happening. My job as a color is to give some depth to that. So why are they in the lead? Why is this person behind? What should they be doing here? Why aren't they doing this? Why is this person being able to move faster than that person? And as a coach, that's what I do. I do that every day anyway. So it was very natural. So, you know, whether I'm working with Sean Woodland or I'm working with Chase Ingram or I'm working with Jeff Brightwell or I'm working with any of the other uh, commentators that we have, like it's very comfortable. I'm, I'm at home talking CrossFit and talking fitness and talking working out and talking movement and talking, which is so again, all of a sudden now I can pull some of that biology, anatomy, physiology stuff, which is what Matt Frazier always gets pissed because I talk about him being short, which I never said he's short. <laughs> I always said he had, a, he, he had a reduced range of motion, which gives him an advantage in certain movements. So I don't know why everyone's like, you, you call him short and that's terrible. 
um, it's, just, it's, it's physics, man. It's like, that's, you have an advantage. I mean, you're going to win because of that, but it's an advantage. But that was where that started. And so every single year we got better and better and better and better. Um, I got more and more comfortable. Um, I had more and more fun with it. And I felt like now it wasn't that I was just doing a job, but now I really could give something to all the CrossFitters that are out there. And I think that that's one thing that CrossFit, a lot of CrossFitters are missing or they are missing or don't understand a lot of the history of CrossFit. So I'm able to give some of that stuff, being one of the older people and being one of the people that have been around for a while. So I think that that's been, uh, ooh, that it, can I just show you guys something real fast? This is amazing. Yeah. Let's just look at this. That is amazing. Strong work. It is. Beautiful. Strong work. I love it. Love it. Um, uh, so I, I really enjoyed what that was. And uh, the, the, issue, the hard part was as an athlete, as an athlete, you have a very short window that you can do your thing. So you see a lot of the athletes now, like, you know, they're, they're competitive, they're big when they're competing. And then immediately when they're on the downside of their curve, they're trying to look for um, what programming can I put out there? What other angle can I have? Because guess what? I'm not competing anymore. So what am I going to be able to do? I've been known as an athlete this whole time. Now what, what am I going to be known as? Um, I was able to kind of do both of those things. And I could very easily go into the master's division and compete, which would be great. But if I do that, then that's, that's something that's, that's totally just me. But if I'm doing commentating, that's CrossFit. And that, that way I can bring a whole lot of information to a whole lot of people. And I'd have a lot more fun with that. And there's a lot more longevity to that. Like I've been competing for a really long time. If you say three, two, one, go, I'm going to be able to do wall balls or burpees or cleaning jerks way, way better than I probably should be. But if you don't say three, two, one, go, it literally takes me like 15 seconds to get up off the floor if I'm trying to get up from doing work. So a competitive athlete doesn't add years to your life. It takes years off. Any you know, high level competitive athlete of any, of any takes years off your life. Um, and I want to I wanna be around and I want to do this thing. So I would rather commentate and be part of that that brings CrossFit and the joy of CrossFit and fitness and competition in that eye to so many more people in CrossFit rather than just going and competing and have it just be for me. So that's why I made that decision. And before that, I was able to do both because they had masters at the early part of the week and then they would do the, the, the competition part, you know, later, the open later. So I could do both. But once they put them all together at the festival kind of idea, it just wasn't going to happen. So I had to make a choice. That was a tough one. So let me ask you this, and, and you're a metaphor. So what does your flame look like as a commentator compared to your flame as a competitor? It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Um, like, I think if you're a passionate person, you're a passionate person in whatever it is that you do. And I am very passionate about commentating. I, I've never taken any, like up until we started doing the trainings that we got with the, the broadcast and stuff. I had no idea about commentary. I had no idea about broadcast. I had no idea about any of that other than the fact that like, if I get on the mic or I'm doing something, I want to be able to present a good product. It's the same thing as if I'm teaching a class, same thing if I'm coaching a class. Like if I'm coaching a class, it's been really funny doing all the Zoom classes that we've been doing because I will commentate our, our members. Some of them kind of like it. Some of them don't really like it, but like not, not that they don't like it. They, they, they all really appreciate it, but it's, it's a whole lot of talking, you know, but it's really fun. Like I have a blast doing it for me. I don't get to do a lot of like the, you know, come around to the people and kind of get in their face when they're coaching or, you know, being able to get up close tight with them and be able to say these things. But now I can call the whole deal on there. And so it's really fun. Like I love it. I enjoy it so much. So if I, when it's three, two, one, go, or three, two, one, the red light goes on on the camera, whatever, like I'm on and, and it's all me and it's, I'm going to give everything that I can give and I'm going to do all that just like I would if it's three, two, one, go and I have to do wall balls or some other stupid movement like that. <laughs> well, speaking of all you, uh, Wadapalooza this year. Yeah. You did a lot of commentating. <laughs> you did a lot of play by play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because the, the play by play and the color are two totally different, uh, 
jobs. Um, when I was told that, um, you know, they were having issues uh, getting some of the other commentators, like, you know, Sean Woodland was having a baby, Chase was having a baby, um, you know, a lot of other people had other, had other gigs that they were already doing. So they were, they were short people. And I, I, I just said, like, I, and I've done it before. I've done where I'm a kind of a one-man show where I do the play-by-play in the color. Um, so I knew that I could do it, and I, I tried to put their minds at ease. Like, hey, if you need to do it, I, like, I, I'm good. Like, I just just say three, two, one, go, and I'll start talking and it'll be okay. But they were able to bring some other people in. So they had, you know, Brian Friend was there with me. Uh, they brought Tommy in there. They brought um, uh, Chris Henshaw in to do some stuff. Uh, Kenzie Riley. So they brought some other people in um, to kind of help and make the product better for the, the fans. But working with uh, that particular group, so we had Flow Elite. Flow Elite is a great bunch of people. Um, but it's very difficult a lot of times when they're trying to set up. They're very good um, because they're, they're a, a very inex- inexpensive um, product, um, but it works really well with like gymnastics or huh, oatmeal. Um, I think, yeah, I can get some for you in just a moment. Okay. Can you give me a little bit? All right. And I'll help you with that in a second. Um, I had to get oatmeal for a project. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing dream catchers back there. Um, so, um, so the certain sports like gymnastics or track or wrestling or whatever, it's a one shot camera on the event, but what CrossFit, you're kind of all over the place. So in, in CrossFit, we always have like when we're doing with HQ or the other groups that we would have, um, that, that are working with that, we have spotters so they know where to tell the cameras where to go and there's a lot of communication that goes on and it's a, it's a much more technical way to do it. We didn't have that at Wadapalooza. So what that ended up doing it was I had a, I, I would say, hey, I need one screen that I can see the entire field and I will try to direct you around. So, you know, especially things like uh, that last race between uh, Emily Rolf and Colin Foch we're at lane whatever two and lane 12 or something. So we are like on opposite ends of the spectrum. So I'm like over in lane two, hold on. Over in lane two is, you know, calling over in lane 12. We got to make sure that we're over in lane 12. And I'm trying to like direct the cameras <laughs> as I'm broadcasting where everyone is really silly. But, um, you know, again, like I, I understand what the jobs are. I think, I think what's important in, in broadcasting that, that gets missed because there aren't a lot of people, in, at least in this space, that are doing it is it's not name equals good broadcast. You know, like, like uh, Sean Woodland is an amazing – I mean, he's the best uh, – he's the absolute best play-by-play that there is within CrossFit, and his voice is so damn sexy, so it's, like, amazing. Um, but if you were to put him as an interviewer, like I don't think he's as good in that position. Uh, Tommy Marquez is an unreal stats guy as far as looking at, you know, as, a, as an analyst on a desk where you can pick apart all these different movements and, and you know, the time frames it took to do this rep and that rep. But again, like when you're analyzing like that, like live broadcast is totally different. So it's the same thing as putting me on a desk, like putting me on a desk, I lose my sport is as it's happening live it's not numbers so like the numbers are great until you say three two one go then anyone can be beat on any day so it's like my where i excel is why is that happening here not let's look at the numbers historically of you know from this year to this year that they did this 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 this, and this and there's been this percent increase and whatever it's all great information but that's not the best place for me to be so i think it's important for um events to put people in the right places um we all know the jobs and we can all make it work. But when you have the best, the best uh, product is when you have everyone in the right places. I mean, I've even, I've even been a floor announcer at the games before. I mean, I was called down out of the booth and Dave Castro handed me the mic and I had to go out and call. And this was way back in like 2010, um, 2010, 2011. Um, but I can do it, but that's, I don't excel in that. Like, you know, put Larry Moss and, you know, Dylan and Mike and Kiki and those guys out on the, on the floor, like they're the ones that like, they're the ones that excel at that. Um, I can do it, but that's not the best place for me to be. So uh, I will do what they need me to do, but you know, I, I like my color place better. 
Well, speaking of Larry, um, he was on our podcast earlier as well. Larry and Jack. he raves about your legacy programming. Oh, good, good. And so we are all masters athletes that are on this podcast. And yeah. he raves about how it is so tailored uh, for the older athlete. And so um, I, want, I know you have an oatmeal incident in the background there. <laughs> so just if you could tell us about your programming and why it's better for masters athletes. Yeah, sure. So um, one thing that some things that I saw that a lot of masters programs were doing where they were programming based on your age. And I think it's fine to have competitions based on your age, but I don't think that it's right to have your training level based on your age. So I looked at all the different programs that were out there. And what I saw was if I put my age group, my, my age in this particular age frame, I would actually get weaker out of it because I have the strength, but if I never push to that particular limit, then I end up losing the strength that I'm supposed to have. I may get better at whatever weakness piece that I have, but, um, you know, the idea of you're weaker, you're not able, you don't have as much mobility or everyone has that because you're in the 40 to, you know, the, the 45 to 49 division or you're over 50 or you're over 55 or whatever. So what I've done is I have a, a program that has a strength or a skill, skill piece and the Metcon workout part. And I think it's important for masters to understand it's not about, you don't have to have hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of, of training. You need to have uh, uh, quality, 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 quality of your training. So, you know, as long as you have a strength piece and you have a good Metcon that you're able to like put it all out in, in that, in those two pieces, then you're going to do fine. Cause you want the recovery with that being said, um, if you have the strength ability to do, uh, what games level masters athletes can do, then you should be doing that. Um, but if you're short on a particular thing, like let's say you're really good at, at, at um, squat cleans, but you just don't have muscle ups yet. So you're, you're a true Clydesdale. You can, you can move the barbells around a lot, but the muscle ups are just not going to be there. Um, why should we shut everything down? Like I, a lot of places, they'll do a level one, level two, level three. And again, you end up working to your lowest, your weakest link of that whole system. And I don't think that should be the case. There should be an element of, here's exactly the intent and here's how many of uh, this particular movement you should be able to do on the cleans. Then when it comes to the muscle ups, here's the scaling because I want you to be able to do this many reps of this particular movement from this one to this one, to this one, to this one, to this one, all the way down. And whatever scale you end up using should give you the exact same time intent and uh, uh, stimulus intent based on that. If you know, muscle up is a pull, a gymnastic pull. So I'm going to have someone do a gymnastic pull movement, whatever, whatever that's, um, if that's ring muscle ups to bar muscle ups to banded bar muscle ups, to jumping bar muscle ups to uh, chest to bar pull ups, to keeping pull-ups, to ring rows, or you know, with your feet up, to ring rows with your feet on the ground, to whatever slant you have on your ring row, that you should be able to do, if you were fresh, eight to 12 reps. That's gonna put you at about the same level. So there's a lot that goes into every single one of those movements for that. Um, I feel that that way it doesn't matter. It's not based on age because I don't think that any master should be set to be based on age. It should be based on your, and, and this is classic CrossFit, based on where you are, no matter where you are and work from that point, no matter if it's your age, no matter if it's your ability, no matter if it's your injury, no matter if it's whatever. Um, and I think that that's been really beneficial for a lot of people. Um, and every single weight has like that formula. It's here's the prescribed for the men and for the women. Um, here's the percentage of your one rep max, um, or here's the number that the range number that you should be able to do unbroken if you were fresh. And that's how I set up each one of those things. It's been really fun. And, and where can people get a hold of that? So you can find it. Um, you can look on my website. So billgrunler.com has it. You can go to, um, on Instagram, it's the underscore legacy underscore programming. Like programming, yeah, um, and you can find all that stuff there. You can check out a, a free sample week, so you can kind of get an idea of how it works. Um, the programming has uh, the mobility stuff that's supposed to be in it, and it's got your warm up in it. It has your uh, strength piece, your skill piece, has your metcon, has all the explanations, and then your cooldown as well. So it's a full package deal. It's a templated program. It's twenty bucks a month, um, and you get five workouts, six workouts a week, so Monday through Saturday. Um, 
just a monthly recurring type of thing, um, which is really, really fun. We use the, uh, the Train Heroic app is how we record everything. So that's where we go and do that. And it's been a really fun program. I mean, the other thing that I do with a lot of masters is I have my master's seminars. I haven't done them uh, too much like this last year or so just because with a lot of things that have been happening with the sanctioned events and, you know, with all the, 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 the virus stuff, obviously, but going around and just talking to masters. So uh, gym owners will hit me up and say, hey, we have... 10, 15 masters that would all love to have you come down and, and talk. And I do a four hour seminar or an eight hour seminar. And we talk about what masters really need to be looking at how to properly recover and what that really means. And then we talk about programming and working out. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, it, that's how I wave the flag again for the master division. It's like, I'm, I'm the old guy. So why wouldn't I give this information to other people that are out there? Because I think what's really cool with the master division is it is a very rapidly growing division. And there are a lot of people that are coming out of the woodwork and now deciding like, oh, uh, okay, I can still move. So how do I do this now? Because the only people they have to watch are the 27-year-olds. And that's not the way that we get better. So, uh, you know, I, I try to get as much information out that way as I can so that people do know that. Do you guys have any final questions for Bill? No. Do, you see my, do you see my chin, Bill? Oh, you got the little cleft chin too. Got a little huh? one for you there, yeah. Yeah, well, see, I, I, mine's hidden. <laughs> It's hidden, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I got the deep one. I got the uh, definitely the John Travolta, the Kurt Douglas. So I remember when I was a kid, I used to tell people I got shot in the face with a with a gun. They're like, That's why great. is it? Why do you have that hole in your chin? It was a bullet. Some shot me. <laughs> totally lived. <laughs> um, but hey, a couple of things for you guys to check out. So my, myself and Chase, um, we do the uh, get with the programming podcast. Um, as well, make sure you guys check that out. That's super fun. We've been looking, the idea with it is we look at actual programming to decide if it's a good program or not, whether it's with the games of the sanctioned events or the open or whatever. Um, since everything's been on hold recently, we have been doing the CrossFit games every year in analyzing of is it a good test or not. Um, and it's been super fun. Um, we've had a couple different guests on it. Um, we have a, a couple more that we're looking to get on there, guys like Rory and you know Dan Bailey, and we've had Tony Wagner on there and stuff. So it's uh, been pretty fun. So make sure you guys check that out as well. Yeah, we definitely will. Um, we just wanted to try to keep it to an hour, and I know that you have uh, some dream catchers <laughs> to, to go make. That's right, oatmeal um, stuff. Uh, I, I could talk to you for another hour, but thank you so much for doing this. Uh, it's been a lot of fun for me. Uh, one of my favorite hours I've spent on this podcast. So. Oh, very cool. I totally appreciate it. And, and seriously, you guys, you know, if you, if you want to have me back, I'd love to come back. And I, I'm it. a talker, man. That's what I do. I think that's how the broadcast <laughs> thing works. I can just babble and babble. So um, I'd love to come back anytime. You guys have been great. Yeah, awesome. Right. We'd love to have you. Uh, cool. Have a great day with your daughter and uh, enjoy it. Cool. Thanks, thanks, thanks Bill. I'll see you. Take Bye. care. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.